0: Considered, considered to be one of the one most, most successful entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs in the world. world. If you could go, you could go back in time and talk to, to your talk 20-year-old, 20-year-old self, what would you say? A lot of times people say, you know,
1: don't worry as much, right? You know, enjoy yourself more, you know, with some, some, some variation of, hey, this could be fun if you just relaxed a little bit. Uh, I wouldn't give that advice to myself. I think, you know, being scared as hell was really useful.
0: My name is Daniel Gerlay and I am the president of the Global Young Entrepreneur Society, an international organization supporting exceptional young people in accomplishing their entrepreneurial ambitions. My guest today is Professor Bill O'Farrell of Columbia Business School. Bill is a 30-year veteran of the startup world. He most recently co-founded and was CEO of Body Labs Inc., a computer vision and AI company focused on 3D human body modeling. Body Labs was acquired by Amazon in 2017. Formerly, he was co-founder and CEO of such companies as Speechworks acquired by Nuance, OpenAir.com acquired by NetSuite, and a company of science and art, which created the After Effects product line acquired by Adobe. Bill is an adjunct professor at the Columbia Business School, where he teaches Launch Your Start. Bill received his undergraduate degree from Brown University and a JD from Harvard Law School. I am very pleased to welcome back Professor Bill O'Farrell.
1: That, yeah? that's, that's, that's quite an honor. Thank you. You've had a pretty uh pretty star-studded set of folks coming in. So I'm 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 quite honored to be uh, to be invited back. Thank you.
0: I'm very pleased to have you back. How did you gather the courage to leave law and become an entrepreneur? What is your advice for those considering switching career paths?
1: Uh, you know, I don't know if courage was what impelled me to leave the law. I think it was maybe a little more desperation. Um, I really, really hated what I was doing. I sort of had always thought that I'd like to start my own company. I, you know, I had my own company in high school. I, at law school, I started a, a law journal, and I went out. I was working at a at a law firm in Silicon Valley, or who had a lot of, you know, which had a lot of Silicon Valley clients. So I sort of went out there with the notion of, well, let me see what's going on. And so, uh, but you know, a year and a half in, I, it was just unbearable. And so I just, yeah, I just like, I was like, I, 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 you know, I got to quit. Um, so I can't do this anymore. And if I do this any, you know, a day longer, um, uh, just my life will begin to be a failure. So I had actually, I, I, I left with some notion that uh, I was not at all a, a tech idea this was nineteen ninety, and I thought that I would start a chain of brew pubs of microbreweries along the east Coast um, because microbreweries were just becoming popular in California where I was working. Now that this is a great idea. It's great economics. let's go do that. So actually, I quit to with you know the notion that's what I was going to do, I came back east and then very circuitously, uh, I won't bore your your listeners with the details. i sort of came in contact with some folks who were a couple years behind me at 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 school, at university. The brew pub idea, I thought was a good one, but, you know, they were working on something. It was a little bit more, uh, it was a little easier to get my arms around. Uh, it was a couple engineers, computer engineers. They started a company, they, they 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 needed somebody to run the company, and they thought the next lawyer might be the right guy. Clearly, they didn't know anything either. <laughs> so, uh, so, I signed on as CEO, and you know, that was a real kind of what we used to call a macaroni and cheese startup. We had no money. We were eating macaroni and cheese and ramen noodles. Uh, but eventually these 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 partners and the tech partners and the, and the team they built around them came up with the After Effects idea and the product. Um, so I got we got lucky. And that's sort of how how the ball started getting rolling for my tech career. I think the first advice is, you know, if you hate what you're doing, stop doing it. Sometimes, you know, one doesn't have the option. Paying rent is important and paying back student loans in America is a big problem. But I think it's also finding the right people as much as it is the right idea. I think doing it by yourself is hard. Um, So if I had advice to give, it would be, you know, if you can team up with with one or two people whom you really like, you really trust, whose judgment you trust, whose ethics you trust, and uh, who you trust to sort of be in it with you, you know, sort of day and night. You said you already started the business in high school? Yeah, I, uh, I was a clam digger. Um, I went out on a, on a flat bottom boat in the Great South Bay of Long Island. I would leave at sort of 530, 5, 30 5.30 in the morning. And, and we had uh, what were called tongs. They're these sort of like big giant tongs with uh, baskets with interlocking teeth on them. And, you know, I'd sort of dig clams all day. I had a, you know, I had a partner on the boat and then eventually I did it all by myself. So that was my business. I mean, it was, you know, wasn't a, wasn't a big business, wasn't even a scalable business, but it got me through college. So that was good.
0: You paid your way through college.
1: Yeah. I also got a lot of financial help and I took out a lot of loans, but yeah, that's, yeah, it was, it was, it was actually extremely well paid for a college kid. You know, I mean, there were, there were ups sort of feeding families on it. So it was a, at the time it was a good deal.
0: Do you know where your initiative for entrepreneurship came from? Was it something innate or did someone inspire you? Both my parents were public school teachers.
1: Um, And, you know, they were sort of first generation immigrants. Uh, My grandparents were Irish. Um, So, you know, for them, you know, the jobs that were safe, doctor, lawyer, teacher, uh, were probably the more obvious. I don't know where it came from. I think maybe I just, I have an authority problem, perhaps, (laughs) I don't know. I actually, I, I will say one other thing. I, I, I felt like, and I think really at the law job, that was where it just really all came to a head. I, you know, I thought to myself, look, I looked at all these, you know, what at the time, what I would call kids who were starting these these tech startups and other things. And, and, you know, I looked around and I was like, you know, they just, they don't know that much more than I do. They don't look any more qualified than I do. And I'm not happy with what I'm doing. If I'm going to mess something up, if I'm going to mess my life up, and I at least want it, want it to be my fault, and not, you know, the fault of some organization that I just, you know, or 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 have or blame it on some organization. So so it was more, you know, I need to have control over my life. I think was really maybe the the the, the sentiment, if you will. Uh, I don't know where it came from.
0: In our previous interview, you said you liked hanging around hubs of innovation, and that's where many of your startups came from. What are the greatest hubs of innovation in the world today, and where will they be in the future? Uh, you know, first of all, I wouldn't,
1: um, you know, I, I wouldn't pretend to, to to be an expert on where the hubs are, you know, throughout the world, and and that's one important thing right now is it's it's not just you know the U.S. It's not just Europe. It's not just China. I mean, there there's innovation happening all over, um, and I think that's actually. You know, a remarkable thing, and I and I and I think that that's actually, I think there's a lot of uh, momentum uh, uh, that 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 that's developed over the last several decades to 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 to, to drive innovation. Uh, the characteristics there for me that I, I kind of look at for for hubs of innovation are places where there there's enough resources um, to. Really take uh, you know uh, uh, an embryonic idea and and move it close enough to commercialization that that uh, you know find resources to, to to fund that 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 technology or that idea for you know many 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 years after it comes out of the research institute or the university. If you've got really well-funded research institutions, I mean the classic ones in America are the MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, Stanford, Berkeley. I'm sitting in a Columbia facility now in the life sciences. They've got fantastic innovation, uh, Cornell Tech in New York here, and NYU. And my last company was a spinoff out of the Max Planck Institute in Germany. So in those places, there, there there's enough money, frankly, and resources to not just come up with the theory or not just come up with you know kind of a, a small proof of concept, but but really to carry it through. So, so so at the commercial level, you can kind of look at it and say, OK, you know, we're going to have to work on this thing, but it's not going to be 10 years before the first person buys it. So I think that that when I'm looking at, you know, research, uh, that uh, the tech that's coming out of research institutions, I, one of the things I look at is, you know, how how much has the institute been able to push this forward, and and how long is it going to take before we can really get somebody to start buying it and using it?
0: What is your proposal to people developing technologies you'd like to commercialize? I
1: would say, you know, most of my career has been commercializing technology that's come out of university. You know, because the first couple of things worked out for me. Uh, you know, as much by luck as anything else. You know, I've been able to through through contacts, through introductions, been able to be introduced into a lot of different places where, with a lot of nascent technology. And the proposition that that for years, you know, I would present is 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 to a professor. It's it's usually the postdocs who are who are the ones because because they're the ones who are going to come out and do the the heavy lifting, right? The, the professors are great consultants, but. You know, they don't want to quit their day jobs. They've got tenure and they love what they're doing typically. So, so you know, I'd find the, the 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 team at a university and I'd say, look, the tech team. I'd say, look, you guys know the tech. I can't do what you do. You run the tech. I'll run the business. Let's license the technology. We'll raise a little money. See if we can get somebody to use this thing and start buying it. And I'll raise a little more and so on. So the proposition traditionally was, you know, I'll run the business piece um, and, I might add, actually, for 30 plus years, you know, that sort of made that 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 was a fairly straightforward proposition, um, and it you know worked out sometimes. Um, what what actually was interesting to me is I recently I found that I might make that same proposition, um, but but what I'm finding is that folks in the tech field are like, well, we'd really like you to be involved, but one of us wants to be CEO, and I, I'm finding that's you know I think. Being the CEO of a startup has become kind of—I don't know if you want to call it chic, rigueur, what have you—and it's an interesting phenomenon. I think you know, I think this, I, I think being associated with the startup doesn't have the same kind, you know, uh, doesn't have the same kind of risk. Uh, I think people are, are, are far less uh, nervous about taking that kind of risk. I think startups have become much more an accepted part of the fabric of, of at least the American economy. But what I find, you know, not necessarily the smartest use of, of, of resources is if you've got one or two people who know a technology inside and out and can advance that technology, I, I, it seems to me you know, not very smart to have one or both of them or several of them you know, focus on learning how to be a business person. Like there's lots of people who could do the business, you know, <laughs> including me, but there aren't that many people who can take this you know, specialized technology and 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 who who understand it and can really make it you know uh, can really advance it forward. So I, I think that's a trend that i'm 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 not terribly uh, uh, fond
0: of right now. From the opposite side, what is your criteria for evaluating a technology to invest in? So I'm going to answer it slightly facetiously,
1: and then I'm going to try to be, give you a deeper answer. So um you know, typically I say I, I look for Two things: um, is it cool, and can everyone get rich? Um, and 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 it's slightly facetious, but 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 really, what I mean is, you know, first, is it cool, right? So so for me, and this is just me, um, you know, I, I like I like technology. It's really kind of pushing the edge. That that that's really a, a unique invention, a real difference maker. Um, so, you know, I've done things like speech recognition. Uh, the, the, the After Effects was, you know, coming into di- uh, coming into digital video when it was just starting. I was just doing, you know, an AI and computer vision company. It's sort of, to me, that's cool. Like, you could make a lot of money, um, I don't know, doing roll-ups of, of, of you know, kind of ad uh, marketing companies or things like that. That just doesn't speak to me. And it's not to say it's bad. It's just, you know, it's just not to me kind of cool technology. Now, that said, there's a lot of cool technology in university. You know, you go to some of these research institutes and you just, you know, you're overwhelmed, like there's robots walking around and there's, you know, there's um, it's all kinds of stuff. But a lot of that doesn't necessarily have a commercial, uh, a, a lot of that isn't commercially viable um, or it's not commercially viable in, in in a short enough time that, that you can you know really um, build a, a successful company so when I say you know everybody gets rich I mean I, I am being facetious but like is this close enough is the is the is the is the market going to be big enough is the ecosystem that has to be around this new cool technology developed enough that you could actually go out and, and make a viable business out of this so so those are the things I look so that's just sort of the General stuff, and then you know I think it's super important that 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 you find the right partners and and in that, you know I look at, for you know is are these world class scientists um, my my last one of my last partners sits on the Royal Swedish Academy of Scientists, you know he picks Nobel Prize winners, so that's pretty world class, right um, but do I like them? <laughs> you know like you know are they like can I sit in a room with them for twelve fourteen hours and and not be you know not be ready to kill them and then do i trust them and and you know part of that's just you know like, do i trust their values et cetera, et cetera. but 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 i also mean by that do i trust their judgment you know like because i think that's one of the most important things it's like there's a lot of smart people in the world but but judgment's vital and so when it comes to the tech you know i need to know because i don't have that expertise like look what can we get done with this tech? You know, like here are the, here, here, here's the, here's the resources. Here are the resources we, we, we have or can, or, or can gather, you know, tell me what you can make this thing do over what amount of time and where is our, our, our market opportunity. Um, where is that going to intersect with the tech viability? So their judgment's really important. So that's kind of the stuff I look for.
0: Do you have any networking advice?
1: I'll tell you what I, I don't think has worked very well. Although, you know, maybe, maybe it's gotten better. So, you know, like just reviewing a patent portfolio at a university that, you know, I tried doing that a little bit, that doesn't work too well. <laughs> you know, there's too many, like, it's just all too literally academic. And it depends what you're looking for. You know, for me, I look for deep tech stuff. Um, and so I, I find that, one, one can go and try to talk to the licensing offices at universities and and the universities have gotten much more sophisticated and much more sort of, um, open to, you know, sharing, sharing the information and and trying to match on, uh, business entrepreneurs with, with the tech folks. But, but I think that, so, so that's one, one way to do it. I, you know, I find though that the professional introductions have typically been a little better. Weirdly, um, a lot of times it's the lawyers um, who who make good introductions because what I found historically, and I think this remains true at least in my little world, you know, if 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 a technologist has a good idea, you know, among the first things they do, if they're smart anyway, is they go and they they talk to a lawyer and they say, you know, can I patent this? What do I have to do to protect it? I need to start a company. Um, and oh, by the way, I don't know anything about business. Like, what would you suggest I do? And so, you know, I've gotten. Uh, my my second company, SpeechWorks, which was a spin out of MIT, spin out out of MIT. You know, I was introduced to my co-founder through sort of a lawyer, for example. You know, so so there's a lot of that. Um, but I think networking and and you know some what you want is you want whatever the technology is and whoever the the the, the inventors of the technology or the uh, guardians or the uh, uh, you know the folks who are trying to commercialize, technology, you want that to be somewhat self-selected. You want them to believe, hey, this is maybe something that's worth doing. Because if particularly like me, if you're not really technically savvy, you can't make that assessment yourself.
0: Do you think being a Harvard trained lawyer helped you in connecting with other lawyers? No, actually,
1: I I wouldn't say that had made the difference. Um, I think what made the difference was just getting very lucky on the first company, being able to sell that and then, you know, having through that company met enough different people. And, you know, we, we, you know, I used to start up lawyer and then we had a lawyer when we sold the company and, you know, I put the word out like, okay, we sold this. I got to do a little time, but I, I don't want to stay at Adobe. I, you know, and, and so it started that way. So I, I can't say that it was due to Harvard law school. No.
0: What are these skills entrepreneurs need to succeed in the AI era? You know, I, I don't want to opine uh to, Um, unequivocally here
1: because I think I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen in the AI era. I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's exciting. It's super exciting. It's also super scary. Right. Um, But I, I, if I, you know, if you're asking me to guess uh, or forecast, I I think that that the skills that entrepreneurs need um, right now, you know, or, you know, historically are really, you know, the ability to sort of, Prioritize well. You know, first, you know, observe, gather information, um, analyze, you know, information as it comes in, and be able to 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 very quickly adjust to new information and prioritize the tasks that need to get done in order to hit important milestones. Because you never have enough resources, right? And so, you you can't you can't waste a lot of time, money, energy doing stuff that isn't going to advance you along, along the path that gets you, you know, commercialized or gets you more financing or whatever the next set of milestones are. So I'd say that, you know, the ability to prioritize is going to be always there. But I think in this world, things are moving so fast, so fast. You know, that's that sort of skill set, that muscle set of muscles that says, OK, whoa, new data. What does that mean? What does that mean? We have to do. I think that that cycle of, of 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 you know adjustment is is going to get really 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 fast. Um, as going get get accelerated, and I think the ability to, to to
0: adapt to that is going to be important. When building your startups, what was the order in which you hired different types of people?
1: Well, again, you know, in my world, it's typically been deep tech stuff, right? So, so the engineering, the technical team was always the first priority, and the reason that was the first priority is there were we needed to achieve certain technical milestones um in order to you know have some early pilots with some early customers and because there were pilots and they were early customers and there was you know long negotiations or you know whatever um, uh, bespoke uh, deals if you will, you know that was usually something I would do because there's no point in having a business development or sales team because you know every 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 um, agreement, every relationship at the beginning is, is slightly different. So we'd always, um, you know, have to hire out the engineering team first. And in my experience, you know, I've always worked with uh, typically postdocs at a university who are really, really smart. And and we'd hire, you know, a number of developers and, and you know, engineers, not not necessarily researchers. To begin building the commercial, well, commercializing the tech so it became a commercially um, robust product, and relatively soon, when we talk about sort of the exec hires, I would say, "Well, look, I think we need a VP of engineering." And invariably, invariably, the tech folks, you know, these brilliant postdocs would say, "No, we're technical. We don't need an engineer, a VP of engineering." And then I would kind of push because I'd seen it before. Um, and I was like, well, look, you know, we need somebody to do the hiring. We need somebody to make sure the code reviews are done. We need somebody to, uh, you know, make sure that the, uh, you know, the code's being checked in and out. We need to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they go, okay. And then we'd interview some people. And, and then I, 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 you know, I, I, I was been really lucky to have found really great VPs of engineering. I'd say within two weeks of having hired that particular hire, you know, all the, well, my technical partners, they'd all come back and say, you know, you're absolutely right. And then and then and 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 so then we had like a really good combination of great research and great, you know, commercial execution. So that was sort of the first set of things. And then after that, you know, it was typically business development folks and 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 maybe market, you know, sort of not necessarily VPs of marketing, but you know, some somebody who could get the word out. And, 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 and do lead generation and things like that for a business development team. And I, and I underscore business development because, again, with my companies, it's usually a while before it's kind of turnkey. And you, and you can just say, okay, well, here's a sales team. Just, you know, sell this. It's usually, here's capability. You know, let's figure out how to get somebody to buy something we can make out of this technology. So that's typically been how it's unfolded.
0: There's this idea that thanks to AI, a company that used to require 50 people will now only require five people. Do you think that's accurate? It's going to be the case in. I mean, look. I think every industry as we know
1: it is going to be changed by you know this generative AI stuff. And I think that the, the scenario you just painted for some many companies will be true. I mean, you're just knocking these many people. I mean, you know, the fact that you could like draw a web page and have that coded up. You know, without having to have a a software engineer involved, is both extraordinary and terrifying. Um, So I do think that efficiency, um, you know, time to market, uh, resource needs in almost every place are going to be affected. Um, Again, you know, I think it's it's a little too early to to make any hard and fast predictions, at least for me. And I think things are moving so fast too that you know, I just it's just sort of. It's it's head snapping, you know, the the information that's coming out. But 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 I guess to answer your question directly, no doubt there's going to be lots and lots and lots of companies that that can that can do what they used to do, or maybe not even do what they used to. Won't be able to do what they used to do because AI has replaced it, and, and and it will take far fewer resources to to get it done.
0: What was your approach to hiring great people? Did you hire headhunters, or uh, did you try and get a lot of publicity? No, I mean, you know, I think the first set of great people, I, I,
1: there, there was Headhunter that I used, you know, a long time ago. Um, and he, he, he said, uh, you know, I find people by what their hang around group is. I was like, what are you talking about? He said, well, you know, like, if you really think somebody's, you know, smart, or whatever, you know, like, you, you really appreciate this person as a business person and, a, and, and, and you like their judgment and they're smart and they're successful, who are they hanging around with? Who's their friend group, you know, <laughs> um, and so, you know, I think that, that if you start and for me, again, you know, I, I, I've had great partners. So on the tech side, the you know, first thing that typically happens is you get, you know, my great partners go and they grab they grab some of their, you know, their colleagues whom they really or, you know, folks they know who they really respect and, and can rely on. And so that's starts sort of the, you know, the, 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 the kernel of, of, a, of a really solid team. Um, and once you have that kernel, you know it. it, it, it th- then there's a lot of filters within the organization as as people who maybe are not known or not known entities come through. You know, there's a lot of places where you've got a lot of quality people. You know, applying their own um, parameters and their own you know uh, set of values to these hires coming in. So the first set, I think, is almost invariably through you know through personal connections. And then, um, you know, at some point, if you're growing fast, you just can't, just can't do that. So, so that's where headhunters come in. And, and again, I think, you know, headhunters can particularly um, ones working on contingency can just turn over a lot of folks really fast. So you got to do some filtering before you even talk to them. But, but if you've got that good core group of folks who, who's a, who's judgment you trust, you know, typically that somewhere along the line, if there's not a good candidate, they get, they get filtered out.
0: What do you think of firing people? Do you give second chances? Oh yeah.
1: I hate fire. I think, that's, i think if you talk to almost any, I think you talk to almost any business person, like firing people is just the worst, you know, it's just everybody hates firing people are so miserable in the hiring process. You know, a lot of it, you know, a, a big component is is what's this person's personality, right? Because, some people at a startup anyway some people just aren't cut out for a startup you know they, they like structure they 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 they're unsettled by by you know things changing quickly they they hate you know having to do something different than they were hired to do so if someone's personality is like that fair enough you know it's not good or bad it's just like they're probably not going to be very successful in a startup so so it would be good in order not to have to fire somebody like that to try not to hire them to begin with. Um, and, and then I might carry that a little bit further and say that if, if, if you need, if if you need someone to change their personality in order to do a good job, you know, if you need them to be, you know, to take rejection better, or whatever it's going to be, uh, you need them to be more gregarious uh, or, or, you know, whatever people don't change. I, people can't change their personality. So, so I think, you know, I think that in, to answer your question about giving people second chances i I think i think that's you know like just a fundamental of of running a fair and good company is you gotta let people know when they're not doing well and when i've had to do this you know usually if i've you know for whatever job i've hired them for i said look you know you're not performing well here's why we really need you to do this and you know we're hoping that you can bring you know this kind of energy or you know achieve these things and and and, and coach them a lot meet with them a lot um and so you know we're going to give you you know whatever 6 months 3 months depends how how much you have you know i think that that's that's a process that has to be done but i i would say that there've been times when i'm like look you know you're you're not the kind of person who's going to like you're you know you're not a people person so I don't say that. I say it more diplomatically. So you don't like, you know, having to, you know, manage a bunch of people. So um, you're, you know, your your personality is not such that you're going to be really good, you know, meshing these people together. And at that point, you know, asking them to try to try to perform that job better, you know, doesn't have a high. Typically, doesn't have a high degree of of of, of success. And, and in those cases, I try to gently diplomatically suggest that maybe you know there's another job you could do here um and you know maybe you'd want to try to do that the reason i say that that's you know a lot of companies that's not possible but but typically one of the things i look for is flexibility in in, in a hire so giving them second chances yes trying to give them guidance on how to succeed in the second chance yes but sometimes i just have to make the assessment you know i don't think this Person's personality is suited to this job. We made the mistake thinking they could do it, or the job changed because we're a startup and we're, it's no longer a fit. So let's see if we can move them somewhere else. that's going to be productive.
0: You said you believed in stock options. Do you believe in giving real stock, or giving phantom equity that only vests if there's a sale?
1: Typically, I mean, the, the, a lot of this has to do with tax laws in the U.S. So you know, I'll answer the question, but you know, I'm not sure how applicable. Typically, the earliest employees if founders, the earliest employees, we we give restricted stock, restricted stock, which means you own the stock. But if you quit, you know, whatever has invested, we get to take back. And that's important for a bunch of tax reasons. And also, you know, you get to vote the stock, which not if you're voting, if decisions are made around stock voting, you know, early in the company, you probably got a different problem. But anyway, you own it for all intents and purposes. And you all, and the company can take it back if you leave before whatever the typical four years is. So that's for the earlier employees. Um, and then in, in my companies, you know, it's always been proper stock options. You know, there's a there's a strike price that's set by, you know, a, a, a regulatory provision. Um, every year, um, it typically vests over four years. You know, one year cliff and then monthly after that. That's been the classic way of doing it. Um, and you know, I'm not sure that that is entirely different than a phantom stock option because if you don't go public, you don't sell the company. The is not worth anything anyway. So, um, but that's the way we've done it. And again, you know, just to be clear, because I know you've got an international audience, a lot of this is driven by U.S. tax code. That's all the financial piece. For me, the key piece is to say, "Hey, look, this isn't like you're working for us or me and my company." It's like here. You own the piece of this, you know, like if if, like, you know, I want you to feel like, you know, you're it's 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 it's, it's your company, too, because I I want you to have that kind of dedication. I want you to bring that level of, you know, sort of dedication and work, but also, you know, that level of um, like look at it, you know, like is what you're doing, you know, what do you think is what you're doing, adding to the value of this company, which is also yours? You know, I think it, it makes employees much more aware of or at least you know causes them to to think critically about whether they're adding value or not to the
0: company what is your advice for responsible ai development
1: the companies i'm working with are not you know are not the Fundamental enabling AI companies, like one of them, actually is, is is an AI watermarking company. You know, it's a digital watermarking company to to help validate the provenance of of images um, and video. I I don't I I just don't know. I mean I you know it, it worries me because you know I, ideally you'd like to have I, I mean I, I ideally you'd like some sort of regulation on on what's happening. I would say a couple things there. You know I just. Congress in America, anyway, just is is never is so far behind the technical curve on what they know and what they can do, and 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 you know, so so I don't have a lot of faith that there's going to be anything reasonable coming out. Partly, mostly because they they just don't understand it. I don't have a lot of faith either because I think there'll be so many you know internation fights about you know what we should and shouldn't do. So I, I don't I don't I don't really know how to how to how to deal with that. What what, what I what I am pretty sure about those that no matter what good people do to try to limit or somehow control what's going on, um, there's gonna be bad actors. And and that's what scares me more is not, it's not so much what the tech can do, although that is scary. It's what can bad people do with it? And that,
0: I don't know, I, I, I don't know. What do you think? I have a limited understanding of AI. I've played around with AI. But they call it a black box algorithm that not even the, the world's foremost experts really know how it works. But there is that, too. <laughs> right. There is that, too.
1: Um, that's why I'm, I'm hoping that, all, all you know, everybody who's under 30 will focus on climate tech because, you know, um, everybody's worried about the robots uh, taking over. But, you know, we may not have to worry about the robots taking over if the world burns up first so you know <laughs>
0: um yeah what are your thoughts on work-life balance
1: like so many of the answers i'm giving you the, the, you know my particular view or my per- how it affects me and how i think about it is i think you know much different i i'm i i'm not a big believer in balance i'm sort of i, I have a friend who is an entrepreneur as well he goes look i have two speeds fast and off and so i don't like if i'm if i'm involved in the startup like i'm on all the time and, and, I, and I love it you know i like stress i like um, i like working hard i don't i don't you know i check my email all the time i'm you know i'm, I'm pretty much available um that's not to say i don't like you know hang out and do fun things but I, I don't i don't turn turn things off to decompress um that's me uh and i know that's not that's a not for everyone's probably not even Healthy for me, even, <laughs> but but I I think that that the notion of a four day work week I, I, is to me sort of you know I think it's a um, what would be the right word it, it, it's a it's a construct um, so I'm not sure that four days in a week is 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 you know should necessarily be the goal I mean I think if you've got you know kind of a traditional job maybe but at least within the context of a of a startup. You know, to me, it's more like, and I say this to my employees. I'm like, look, uh, if you need time off, take it. Like, you know, you need a day off, you need a week off, take it. Like, it doesn't do us any good for you to be, you know, perseverating over every decision and stressed out. And, you know, we need you to be, you know, you know sort of on the ball and, and, and crisp and and and, and focused. Uh, just please, you know, don't do that when we've got a major deadline or there's a fire drill that's going on or some customers you know burning up the phone lines because things aren't working you know like when we need you we really need you so that to me is like you know whether it's four-day work week or just you know i wouldn't even call it unlimited vacations it's like take the time when you need it you know we trust you to tell us when you need it and we trust you not to abuse that that trust um that's that's one thing and then you know when it comes to the remote stuff which is you know vaguely related to this i i I, I'm not a big believer, and I am i know I'm old school on this, but I think for a startup company, I think it's pretty important for the initial, I don't know how many employees, most of them to be in the same place, most of them most of the time, because I think, first of all, I think that's the way you build esprit de corps. I just think it's hard to build esprit de corps when people are all over the country, all over the globe, on different time zones. Um, that's one thing. And the other thing is I think it's just really hard to communicate when you're starting up. You know, like if there are ten or fifteen people in a literally in a room, you know maybe two rooms, the information flow is much faster. You know you get off the phone, people, half the people have heard the call. Um, you know, you're like, oh my God, I just you know had this call. We need to do blah, 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 and you get everybody in the same place and you have the conversation and people interact and they and, 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 and so much information is, is is absorbed like through osmosis and around the figurative water cooler. Whereas if you're all remote, I get off the phone, then I got to call this person. We got to organize a Zoom call. There are different time zones. You know, I forget some of the things that I've been told. They ask questions I didn't think about asking. I got to get back in touch, you know. So it, I just think a lot of information gets lost. And I think it's just not very efficient. That said, you know, I think once a company's you know, kind of somewhat crystallized and there's processes, processes for communication stuff. And I think the remote stuff works a little better. And I think, you know, if somebody wants to work one day a week at home, cool. But, you know, I, I, I don't think fully remote for me is the way to start a company.
0: As a serial entrepreneur, do you have a consistent team who you take with you with each of your startups? Uh, that's really funny
1: off. no so you know it's interesting because i know a lot of folks you know go with their you know i i've always i've always started in different industries you know it was video editing it was speech recognition it was SAS, it was you know sort of computer vision stuff um and that's part of the thrill for me is just you know seeing something new um and i don't know you know i mean there's 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 something challenging about about uh, you know, building a cohesive team with a bunch of people you don't know, um, and which I like. I mean, there's downsides to it too. So, so no. I mean, I, and there are you know some companies I've hired, you know, I've hired people, you know, engineers and things from previous companies. But but certainly starting out, no, the the the, the initial teams are have never been the same. And you know, I used to have a secretary, but I'm like, you know, I don't really have a day job, <laughs> so. So for the last couple of years, you know, I'm doing all this advisory work and I'm, I'm teaching, I'm doing some mentoring stuff. So, so I don't really have a secretary right now, although um, and, and for the last three or four months, it hasn't been much because I shut a lot down. But but uh, but the scheduling gets kind of hard. So um, so so I might I might might change that soon.
0: Have your lawyers and accountants been decent?
1: Yeah. Well, my personal accountant's been with me quite a while. Lawyers, you know, I've I've used the same lawyer for a couple of things, but but a lot of early lawyers already there. And, you know, apropos my previous answer, you know, a lot of times the, the the tech team has found a lawyer and you know it's just a different lawyer that I might use. So so and I think that's just bad, you know, you don't want to pull business from, from from him or her. Um, you know, it's just it's just bad karma. Um so you know, a lot of times the lawyers will start out and then Oh, um, you know, I've used, uh, you know, I've used, I guess, the same lawyer for a couple of different things, but I've used a lot of different lawyers, uh, largely be- because of the way the company's germinated and with whom they've, you know, it's it's germinated. So that's a long-winded way of saying I'm, I'm-, I'm a lone wolf that, you know, tries to find some friends to work with for each new company. <laughs> what are the factors that make a startup successful? Um, uh, I mean, it's probably a Bunch of stuff I've already talked about, but baby, uh, you know. So I'd say, you know, obviously having a really smart team. I mean, you know, that's like there's nobody who wouldn't say that, right? I think though, as I've sort of underscored a couple times in this conversation, I think smart's important. I think judgment's vital. You know, there's a lot of people who can, you know, say, well, here's the analysis, uh, but then you're like, okay, which of these outcomes do you think is going to happen? I'm not even trying sure to say it's a different skill. I mean, that's just a different characteristic. You know, some people, you know, it's just some people are savvy about these things. Some people not. So I think I think good judgment uh, is important because people are responsible for different parts of the business, and you need to be able to trust their judgment within their sphere. I think dedication. I think hard work. You know, I, I <laughs> and you know, my one of my former partners said, ninety percent of this job is showing up. Um, you know, you just like you got to you know because 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 so many if you keep pushing, you know, like like you never know which of which of the conversations you're going to have which of the conferences you go to you know which of these various things you know just sometimes stuff that you didn't think was going to bear fruit does and so if you don't do try to do a bunch of different stuff um you know you just don't don't get what i think is the other ingredient you just sometimes just don't get lucky you know like i think that's the ingredient that any any entrepreneur whom i respect will say some material part of the success that I had of this that or the other endeavor is cuz I got luck and I think I think luck is a huge uh huge issue or a huge element but you got to do enough stuff so that you know you can you can sort of like cover enough chips on the on the um on the roulette table you know <laughs> like if you do a lot one of those might come up you know um so I think those things so I guess uh, you know smarts judgment savvy dedication. I'm not sure you can uh, program in luck, but I think that you get, and, and market timing, luck and market timing,
0: which sometimes are similar. Based on your decades of experience, if you could go back and talk to your 20-year-old self, what advice would you give? You know,
1: a lot of times people say, you know, um, don't worry as much, right? You know, like, don't, you know, enjoy yourself more, you know, with some 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 variation of, Hey, this could be fun if you just relaxed a little bit. I wouldn't give that advice to myself. I think you know being scared as hell was really useful. Um, so I, 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 that's that standard. Like you know, I, there are a lot of tactical things and some big decisions that turned out to be wrong that um, that I made. But and I regret. Well, I guess I'd say that just because the decision turned out to be wrong doesn't mean it wasn't the correct one at the time I made it. So. You know, based on the information I had, based on whatever the you know the, the dreams, aspirations I was you know I was I was aiming for. I don't know. I you know I don't I don't know that I'd, I'd 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 be able to give myself advice because you know I think what made it be successful young was fear. What probably helped a little bit later is experience. Um, I don't know that I could have not made the. The, the the bad decisions that, that that became the experience that I have. Um, I, I I don't know. I you know I'm 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 loath to give advice because everybody's so different. I mean, when it comes to this kind of stuff, I, I, without a real use, a real specific case. But I think if there's one thing I would I think that really made a difference is having one or two or several partners who you could really count on. So that would be. But that's you know that's general advice. I think you'd hear that from a lot of people. But I I, I really believe in that. I think it's. This stuff is can be really lonely. It makes a boatload of mistakes the first time you're 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 going around. If you're like me, you beat yourself up, and if you don't have some partners to like, you know, share some of the burden and forgive you for messing things up, it, it's a, it's a real lonely journey.
0: Which areas of technology do you expect to offer the most opportunities for startups in the coming years?
1: You know, AI is doing a lot. I, I I mean, there's opportunity there. I just don't know. I don't know which end of that elephant you want to grab. I, I think, you know, in the U.S., probably in Europe, I think that the climate tech stuff's really important. It's A, it's really important, really important. But it's also, I think, a lot of it's coming into its own. Um, you know, there was a you know, climate tech 1.0 that was, you know, maybe 15 years ago, 10, 15, 10 12, 15 years ago, um and a lot of that stuff it was you know too early, didn't quite work, you know, classic, you know, 1.0 stuff. Uh, now, you know, there's so much that's actually capable. Uh, you know, since so, so there's the, the ecosystem is much bigger, the need is much the need is much more understood. What's going on with the, the inflation reduction act and the infrastructure act? So in the US, the money is just, you know, pouring out. Um, so I think, you know, if I if I were you know, kind of in your in your your age, and 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 maybe out of school, <laughs> maybe not. Um, I think that's a super interesting place because I think it's 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 it's. I think a lot of people are going to succeed there, and I just think it's you know, if if we don't do that, we're all doomed. So so that would be the place I'd
0: focus. You talk about the need for at least one business founder and a technical founder for a startup what skills should the business founder possess and how do you go about gaining those skills
1: now i will say when my first set of partners said hey you're a lawyer you should know how to run the business ah uh, you know i didn't know how to run a business but i knew some you know like i could i could negotiate a contract i could read a contract you know i could i could so i i you know i think i think the business skill set is is not as specific, if you know, as the as the as the tech skill set of, of a deep tech company that's coming out of university. You know, those those people need to know the tech inside and out. and they're so so, you know, they're 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 so rarefied, and you know, what they know is so rarefied and specific that 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 you know, it just you can't really replace them initially, or you can't even back them up, or I mean, you need to back them up eventually, but they're irreplaceable to to start with. Uh, you know, I think it's an understanding. I, I'd say it's less a skill set and it's 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 more of a it's more of a uh, what's the right word uh, um you know an understanding of uh uh of, of being able to prioritize um the, the the precious few resources you have and, and 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 mobilize them in a way to achieve successful successful successive milestones so so i think it's a notion of how do you get from A to B rather than how do you get from A to Z, right? How do you get from A to B? Because once we get to B, we can get to C. So it's ability to really kind of prioritize and, and, and tactically um, uh, uh, deploy resources to achieve each success successive milestone that the company needs to hit in order to continue to succeed. And a big piece of that is knowing what those milestones should be. So there's a lot of, you know, judgment. Of you know what does the world need to see here in order to get get this thing sold or you know get the next round of funding or whatever
0: it might be. You teach at a graduate school of business. For someone who knows they want to become an entrepreneur, should they get a business degree or should they just go ahead and start a startup? I'm afraid Columbia might actually hear the answer to this.
1: But <laughs> uh, here, here's what I think about a business degree in particular. Um, I think a business degree is great for someone who was, you know, I don't know, you know, a fine arts major um, who needs a skill set, like being able to do, you know, jockey a spreadsheet, understand marketing, who needs, who needs basically marketable skill sets in order to, 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 to change careers. So I think it's a great thing. Of, it's great skills. It's a great education in order to change careers. It's also great education for the, Network and I shouldn't say it's a great experience for the network and the credentialization if you want to, you know, go into banking and finance or you want to go into consulting. I mean, you know your boss is going to have an MBA, and your boss is going to think, unless you have an MBA, you know you're not good enough to do this. So I think those are two really good reasons to go to business. I think if you're really sure you want to start a company, you know, you might want to take the hundred and fifty two hundred thousand dollars you are going to pay to a really top-notch business school and invest that in your own company because I'm pretty sure you're going to learn a lot. Um, and it probably, to a, in a, for a startup, what you're going to learn is probably more applicable to the next startup you might
0: start than anything that I could teach you. We have come to the end of the interview and it was filled with new incredible insights. On behalf of the Global Young Entrepreneur Society, Bill O'Farrell, thank you so much for speaking with me again.
1: Thank you. It was a pleasure. And boy,
0: you know, Daniel, I
1: should uh, just congratulate you on all you've accomplished. And I'm sure on your website and elsewhere, uh, all your listeners are aware, but it's really it's really an impressive set of things you're, you're, you've done and, and I'm sure continue to do. So thanks.